Welcome, you're listening to a broadcast by Barnabas Foundation, your trusted partner for smart and powerful generosity. And here's your host, Reverend Philip Leo, Church Communications Director. Good morning or good afternoon, depending on where you're watching this. It's so good to spend a few moments of this day with you. My name is Philip Leo, and I am Church Communications Director at Barnabas Foundation. And I am joined by Jody Kuman. And Jody, I was just looking at your title, Church with Community Coordinator for World Renew. Thanks so much for being with us today, Jody. I appreciate it so much. Ain't no problem. Thanks for having me. Jody and I are going to be talking about why vision is not your problem. And I love that title. And uh, we'll pick that up in a little bit. Before we do, just a few things I want to mention uh, for those joining us live. Just uh, check uh, if you have questions, use the Q&A uh, feature at the bottom of your screen. And uh, I'll be checking to make sure that I'm keeping track of your questions. And Jody and I will work them into our conversation as we go. Uh, Jody has been... Uh, producing a series of webinars. It's been like one a week, right, Jody? Is that how yep. it's been working? Every Thursday night at 7.30. Every Thursday night at 7.30. So the next one is tomorrow night. The series is called Welcome to the Neighborhood. And uh, is there a particular topic for tomorrow night? Yeah, tomorrow we're going to be hearing from um, guest Tom Sign. Tom is a consultant and wrote a book called um, 2020 foresight. So he's going to be talking about what to anticipate in the next decade. Cool. If you want to uh, register for that, go to worldrenew.net. Uh, that's what I was doing yesterday. I was looking and you, if you scroll down to the bottom of the page, there's a promo there that you can click on uh, for that webinar, or you can reach out to Jody directly, jkuman at worldrenew.net. Also, I just want to mention that uh, the latest issue of Generosity Today, that is for folks sitting in your pew, and it helps promote gifts of non-cash assets for your church. Raising money for ministry is uh, part of a significant part of our partnership with your church, and Generosity Today is a quarterly newsletter designed to do just that. So look for it uh, in your... Uh, Inbox, it's probably already uh, been there, but you can also go to church.barnabasfoundation.com and uh, you can find generosity to the, there as well. One more thing I want to, uh, I don't want to forget to mention, please share this recording with a church leader. That's really my goal is I'd like you to take this. I'd like you to think of one church leader, share it with them, ask them to watch this and then circle back with them and ask them what they thought. Have just a short conversation about uh, the content of this uh, video and, uh, and see what comes of it. So Jody and I are going to be talking about why vision is not your problem. Uh, well, I mean, it is your problem, but it's not solely your problem. I think that's some of the point that we're going to talk about today, uh, Jody, because we know that vision matters. Um, and so let's just talk just for a minute or two about why it matters, Jody. What's at stake when it comes to vision in the church? Great. Um, I just wanted to give a little background so yeah. people know 
the other roles I've played because I think yeah, that plays into you. what I think. Thank um, you. So I have been at uh, World Renew for one year. I got in, um, involved in World Renew when I was part of a church. So I was for 15 years um, pastor of community restoration at a CRC church plant, which is now an established church. Um, became an executive director of a nonprofit farm and then director of spiritual formation at a school. So I've seen, I've been in your shoes. I understand where people have been. So, so why yeah. it matters, perspective, what's really at stake. Um, really, there's no one mold, right? So every church needs a vision, the why of what they are doing and their in their corner of the world that really ties into God's big picture kingdom work um, and where they're going and how they're going to live out that mission. So the problem comes that some churches have no vision. They're just doing church without understanding why other churches had a vision, but now they're just going through the motions doing things because either they've always done them that way. And so for these type of churches, it is, really taking the time to examine um, who they are, what is going on in their church community and why they're doing these things so that they need to really have a revisioning time. Mm -hmm. And then for other churches, their vision is cloudy. And it's, I think what a lot of churches fall into is that they're looking to other churches to try and replicate what they're doing. Um, to capture a vision for their community. And it's not working because they're not that community, right? And then there's some churches that have a vision, um, but where did they get that? And so from all the people up on top, the so-called leaders, a select few. And so that vision is pretty limited because it doesn't really connect with the congregation and much less the community. So I always say that congregations are made up of people and are located in a place. So people and place need to speak into that vision. And so um, many, it's, it, many times it's not that the church lacks a vision, it's that they lack a shared vision, something mm -hmm. that every person can be part of. Yeah, I really like that. And uh, it is, it's so interesting to think about vision in terms of identity, who we are, as you said, and in terms of place, uh, understanding who we are in a particular locale, um, and how we relate to uh, not only each other, but how, how we relate to our community, right? And um, what does it mean for vision to come out of that sense of identity, and that sense of place? Um, those are some pretty basic uh, but significant questions. Uh, one thing I just want to mention is uh, for Barnabas Foundation, maybe, maybe it's a disconnect for people to think, why is Barnabas Foundation interested in vision? We are always, it's one of our, our go-to topics. We always go to the topic of vision. Why? Because giving is connected to vision. And uh, we're always going to be raising this question of vision and why it matters and why people give to ministry uh, and why people give to compelling ministry. So I definitely wanna, wanna emphasize that. You know, Jody, um, thanks for a really great description of vision and why it matters. 
Uh, and as I listen to you, it's just very, very obvious that vision isn't easy, that it's complicated, that it's hard. Um, one thing I want to uh, touch on is why, you know, what is the particular challenge of vision? Why is it so difficult? And why is it so hard to catch on from a grassroots sort of level? Um, I think it's hard because it seems hard to grasp. Like we have a good idea, but then to get to that idea is difficult for people. And I think it's hard to catch on with members is because a lot of times it doesn't relate to them. Um, or many times they weren't asked, um, or leadership thinks, thinks that the members have been asked for or worked for participation, but it was done in a way that um, wasn't really engaging with the congregation. Um, I think another reason it doesn't catch on is because it seems too unattainable or unest understandable. So I think vision needs to be pretty simple. Um, uh, an idea and steps to getting there. So I, I think it, it doesn't catch on when it's developed in a, a vacuum without the broad range gathering of input and without the use of all the gifts um, that can be implemented by the people. Yeah. Um, I guess the biggest reason maybe, I guess that it doesn't catch on is that it was one person or a small group's vision. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. not really a shared vision. And that even in that word catch on, right? We actually don't want it to catch on. We want it to be part, um, people to be part in shaping it so that we can say that it is also our vision and live into that. Yeah, you know, at the last church that I served, I remember one of the one of the most powerful experiences or exercises that we had in terms of raising up new ministry and vision for new ministry was just uh, we we did a lot with listening. Uh, we we spent nights in listening groups, and it was amazing the incredible ideas that came out of those listening groups yeah. and how people had ownership, uh, you know, like the sort of the best ideas were grabbed and people really had ownership and they, and they ran with it. Um, I'm wondering, so I want to just, there is a question here, uh, but I'm going to get to it in a second. The question has to do with uh, leadership turnover and the challenge that has to do. Um, but I think we'll hold off on that for just a second. I'm curious uh, in terms of a good first step related to vision, um, I'm even wondering about listening, if that's part of mm -hmm. a good first step. Yeah, that's awesome that you said that, because I would say that is the first step. And um, as I talk to churches, I've been part of churches, I'm really discovering that churches, and I really think a lot of organizations, don't do enough to unearth and discover the strengths of the people and the places both in and around their church. Mm -hmm. So do we know what the members' strengths are? Um, what are the strengths of the place that we belong to? What are the gifts and strengths of our neighbors? Um, so that we're unmining and discovering strengths and listening to that is that first step. And um, 
that all plays into who we are inviting to the tables that we're doing this listening. So um, what members are there? Um, how are we doing, how are we listening to what's happening in outside of church meetings? So yeah, listening is huge. And then discovering strengths and gifts. Uh-huh. So that, and that, and then that translates right into leadership, right? In terms of if, um, if we're listening, if we understand uh, what the strengths are of individuals, certainly, um, for, for leadership roles and certainly the strengths of our church or the strength of our community and how that ties to vision, then that sort of naturally opens the door for leadership, right? It's like, mm-hmm. well, you would be, th- here's an idea for ministry, you'd be a natural in terms of leadership. So, so maybe uh, this question on the board does tie in at this point because it's like, well, but we have leadership models that rotate leaders in and out every three years or whatever the term is. So can you talk a little bit about that tension between leadership that rotates in and out and uh, how that impacts vision? Yeah, so two things here. I think if we're talking about um, gifts-based leadership, um, I really think it's shifting from time-based, right? So if you're a gift-based leader, you're there's different roles within a church you can always play, but you'll always be using that gift, whether you're a deacon, elder, or in a different role. So we're always using our leadership gifts. Um, what is interesting is that when we limit that to time, um, we f- that person may feel like, well, I'm not using my leadership gift anymore, right? Just because I'm not in that role. Right. Um, so I think churches are doing some creative things of moving past um, term limits, right? Hmm. And so really there's no written rule that that has to be done. Each church needs to understand what is best for them, but also the role that mentoring plays in that. So Mm. you're always looking for the next leader. So I always was taught two things. You're looking for somebody to replace you Mm -hmm. and you're looking to work yourself out of a job Um, because your, your, Uh, your purpose is not to maintain what you're doing, your purpose to work for whatever God's God's purpose is. So um, those are the two principles I'm looking at. And some it's, it has happened to me and I, I didn't regret it at all. It Mm -hmm. was, it was a wonderful thing. It is so good. Uh, So Jody, I'm uh, Ken has asked a question here and I really appreciate his thoughtfulness uh, he's asking about finding the balance between listening and leading. And I think he's, uh, he's going back a little bit to what we were talking about earlier, but it's so good. Um, how about that? Because you can't listen forever, right? Uh, at some point, decisions have to be made. At some point, leaders have to lead. Um, is there a tension there or not? I think you're always listening, right? You're always listening, but there's um, what happens with, and I'm just going to call it gifts or strength-based leadership is that when you get that time to really listen, 
then you can move to the next part of really connecting, connecting what you're hearing with what's going on, connecting people. Um, let me think of an example of this. So I, I'm going to give you an example of um, maybe when I wished somebody would have listened more to me, mm -hmm. and then I'll give an example of the connecting. So I was helping a church with music um, and I can play the piano, sing, whatever. And I was feeling like my gifts and passions were really about something different, who, who I was made to be. And so I went to a church leader and said that although I can play the piano and sing, my gifts and passions really lie in helping churches discover how to walk with their community. And so I was, there was some excitement there and I was told, yeah, we'll follow up with you. Well, we should talk about that more. And you know what happened for the following months? I um, waited to see what my next steps were and I kept being asked to sing, but I was never asked to help shape community engagement. And I know of other members who've never been asked what they are good or passionate about. And this happens mm -hmm. over and over in churches mm -hmm. and that their gifts really lie dormant um, because a church doesn't know how or what, how to use them. Um, so I think it's opening the door to other possibilities of using gifts. And then you have that chance of connecting people with other people with other people in the community um, to really take those next steps. So yes, you're listening and you're always looking for where is that leading to, to uh, accomplish your mission. So in your example, then leadership then is um, through listening, recognizing that there's a desire or passion ability for another area of service Leadership then means uh, um, helping that person find the right place or, or at least having a discussion about that. I mean, in your mind, what would have been good leadership moves? Yeah, I think in that is really connecting with people with like-mindedness and uh, then giving that opportunity for something new to come about or me to get plugged in with what was already happening. Um, but it's, yeah, when somebody has a gift and passion and we don't allow that to flourish. Right. Um, yeah, that, that's hard for that person, but also it, it, it stagnates the church, right? From moving forward. Right, um, right. Yeah. Uh, Jody, let's switch gears just a little bit here. Uh, we have uh, an audience, that, a variety of hearers, listeners, uh, some who are leaders in established churches and some who are leaders in emerging churches. And the way vision uh, works or plays out in those contexts is different because a different structure, right? Different, uh, different setups. Can you talk a little bit, let's talk a little bit about some of the differences, but maybe also similarities and, and see where that takes us. Yeah, I guess um, when I think thought about this, when I think about this, I guess, I don't know if everyone agrees with this, but first of all, I guess there's a warning, I guess, for all churches and that sometimes we have relied 
too much on strong personalities, powerful and gifted speakers or leaders. Mm-hmm. And I think we really have to believe that everyone is gifted. Everyone has should be valued and everyone actually has the potential to lead something. So I think that for all churches, the personality drivenness, um, we need to move past that. Mm-hmm. But And both churches can become really dependent on pastors. And I think congregation members really need to think about that is that we have to let our pastors pastor. And then on the flip side, pastors need to learn to let go a little bit. Um, There's, or in all leaders, sometimes we want a little too much control and I've been there too. Mm -hmm. Um, It's scary not to, know how things will turn out if somebody else takes the reins, right? So for established churches, though, I think they have the challenge that there could be some lack of innovation, creativity. I'm not saying that for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes they could be focused on things have been going along. Let's just keep things alive rather than helping them flourish. Um, And sometimes it's just time to engage and look at your programs differently and see why are we doing those? Um, So I think the challenge for them is understanding why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. And then emerging churches um, could be on the flip side of that. They need to be doing things different or going alone, going it alone. Right. But what if more churches could partner well with each other and um, emergent churches have the opportunity to think this way and put gifts right into their DNA. Um, so I've been part of both and I guess neither is best. Both have their own challenges. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the things that makes vision so hard uh, in any context, but especially in churches, has to do with accountability and evaluation. And I know that you've uh, done lots of thinking about this and practice in this. Um, of course, accountability and evaluation are important, uh, but what's the, what's the secret sauce when it comes to, to these in, in the church of making those things work? Yeah, um, so when I was pastor of community restoration, each member of my team, this is how we did it, um, they actually ended up being deacons. They were champions for different partners that we uh, were engaged with. And they were the ones to provide the feedback and give recommendations and to share stories as well as connect our um, congregation members to the community. Um, And we evaluated partners using the principles of asset-based community development. So we just took our mission looked at what principles, and then we evaluated each organization and ministry through that. And what was important was that was done yearly. And um, we also did this with leaders. We would have a job description. Um, We felt like that was hugely important to have a job description for every leader. And then we would have a system of regular um, yearly evaluation and feedback, including a Mm -hmm. self-evaluation. 
So we discovered actually one time that somebody was an elder and they had the gifts of a deacon. So we moved them to being a deacon because they were going to use their gifts way more effectively. Um, and then I think it's, so it's evaluating yearly, both your ministries and seeing if it's in line with your vision and then uh, regular evaluation of um, all the leaders and having accountability to one another. Yeah, and the goal, of course, is always uh, uh, achieving the vision, right? The goal is uh, we know what we started with. Are we making progress towards that? Yeah. What are the challenges? So what kind of progress have we made? And what's holding us back from achieving it? And uh, without accountability, without evaluation, those things don't happen. Uh, those kinds of critical questions don't get asked and changes aren't made either, right? It's sort of right. like you just keep things the same. Uh, Jody, this is so good. I'm, I'm so thankful uh, for this conversation. Uh, if there's a resource, I know I, I didn't uh, prepare you for this one, but if there's a resource, well, one, you're a resource. And I gave uh, your email address, jkuman at worldrenew.net, right? Is that yep. it? Yep. And uh, so reach out to Jody, reach out to me. Uh, is there another resource that comes to mind, Jody, in this on this topic that you'd recommend? Well, I think um, there is one resource that I've been using, and this is just for it's uh, the power of asset mapping. But it's about how can congregations act on its strengths. Um, and it's just a really good way of helping a congregation see from the beginning how to do that in a process of doing that. So that's a good resource I found. Wonderful. So tomorrow you have a webinar, Welcome to the Neighborhood. And uh, folks can check that out at worldrenew.net. Uh, they should also check out uh, church.barnabasfoundation.com for all of the resources that we have for your church related to uh, funding for ministry, uh, especially in the areas of non-cash assets and uh, gifts in a will. You can also find generosity today there. That is for the person in the pew. It's quarterly. The new issue, the first issue of the year is just out. Uh, download it and share it with folks from your church. Also, uh, please take this recording. Please share it with uh, a fellow church leader. And then please follow up with them and say, hey, what'd you think about that? And see if there are, are any next steps related to uh, your conversation and related to your church. Jody, thanks again for your time this morning. Thanks for working with me on this. I appreciate it so much. Uh, thanks to those who have joined us. It's a joy and a privilege. And I think I'm remembering everything. I don't think I'm forgetting anything. So you know what? We're just going to say so long and God bless. Thank you for listening. This audio has been brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. Learn how we can help you experience smart and powerful generosity. Visit us today at www.church.barnabasfoundation.com.